0: Hello, I'm Bethany, the forever pondering voice of The Journey podcast. Please join me as I unveil mine and others thoughts on diverse topics while I integrate it with the personal daily life of my own and of the guests on the podcast. Whether you are a parent, a single hardworking nine to fiver, or as someone who chooses not to be boxed into a specific role, welcome. As a Filipina transracial adoptee, I look forward to connecting with you on so many levels. I consider this to be my audible journal for you to witness with your ears. And if you'd like to be a part of, this is a collective journey. Hi, and I am so glad that you have joined me on my first episode of The Journey Podcast. What I will be using this platform for is to introduce to you my world in more detail, almost like an Audible journal, or it is an Audible journal, (laughs) I will discuss my journey as a transracial adoptee, as a wife, as a mother of two young children, as a full-time worker, and I am also a coach, a life coach. This is my way of Unveiling how I see the world in all its beauty, in all its tragedies, and the grace that it can have as well in our society. I am into sociology and psychology and human behavior. I didn't go to school for this. I actually went to school for um, a much more general degree with a focus on legal studies. But throughout time, I enjoy getting to know people. I love one-on-one conversation and more so understanding where the other person has come from in terms of their journey and what makes them them, what has happened in their lives that they have become to their present personality, their present selves. So, I guess we can go into my journey, the beginning. I flew over here from the Philippines at the close age of five. To be exact, 1988, February, and my birthday is in mid-March. I am an adopted. Filipino or Filipina for the female version. (laughs) And I grew up in New England in Connecticut. My parents are Caucasian, and that's what defines a transracial adoptee an adoptee who was raised by parents of a different ethnicity, a different race. I flew over here with my sister, who is also Filipina, and she, is, she, was, she was two years old at the time. I remember flying over only vaguely in more of quick glimpses in my mind of the airplane, specifically the carpet, (laughs) the carpeting. I remember a red carpet. I'm not sure if they had red carpeting on airplanes back then, but for some reason, red just stands out in my head on the plane. I just remember walking around on the plane, I guess to our seats. I don't quite remember arriving to the airport. And I remember the limousine ride from JFK back to Connecticut to my new home. I remember it being dark, a little bit cold. I guess it being February in New England, maybe was cold. (laughs) <laughs> Not so much a little bit. Um, and I remember holding something in my hand, and there's actually a picture of us arriving, in which our, our new parents to be gave us teddy bears and like a teddy bear pocketbook to hold each of us. But honestly, that's all that I remember. I don't remember fully the the small details of the trip. Those are just the quick glimpses in my head when I think of that day. But when it comes to thinking of how I felt, that seems more easy to grasp than the events that happened on that day in 1988 in February. I felt like unaware of what was happening, probably questioning what's going on. I just get a feeling of quick movements, like going to this place, then this place, kind of feeling to it. You know, those are probably not the right words, but, That's the best way I can describe it right now. And when I look at that picture of the night that we flew in of my sister and I, if you take a look at my face, it looks like I am just somewhat shell-shocked. Like, what am I doing here? What's going on? I spoke a different language. So whatever anybody was saying, whatever any American was saying and my new parents were saying since they spoke English, I could not understand. The nuns that took care of us at the Catholic orphanage did fly over with us, but I don't remember what they were. They were probably translating to us um, about what our new parents were trying to say or greet us with. And you could tell in my sister's face too that there's a sense of what's going on, a little bit of confusion. Just stand there, let's both just stand there and look at the camera because they're trying to take a picture. (laughs) So you can just see in the picture the, the bears that we were holding, the pocketbooks we were given, cute little kid pocketbooks, balloons, floating over us, our new parents. I guess we can go into what I understand from the social work reports of my upbringing um, back in the Philippines before we flew over for our adoption. According to the social work report, my biological mother was described as an aloof individual who would leave the home that she lived at. I believe it was a family home, but she would leave the home here and there while while we stayed behind, my sister and I. And are probably our older half-brother, whom we have re- reunited with this past year, last year in the summer. But she is described in the social Work report as someone who always kept leaving the house to the point that family would just seem to get frustrated with her because she would leave us behind, not take care of us fully, not be present with us. She is described as someone as, who had a troubling relationship with her first husband, involving involving in-laws, trouble with in-laws on either, on his side, I guess, so, she had a troubling relationship with her first husband kept moving around would not stay put in the family home to take care of us leaving them to take care of us had in some way that it's worded that she had you know she had some mental problems which to be honest i feel that's something that's I feel like that's just a a reason to to make it seem like it was needed that for us to be adopted. You know, something that something to make it seem like she was the best bad person. And that's and I don't quite agree with that. I mean, of course, she may have had mental a mental disability, but let's be honest, let's be real. Sometimes mental disabilities are a sign that even the system is broken and or that there is no support for the person who has it. And I get that sense from, from the social work report. She had no one to go to. Adoption is such a layered, a layered solution. And it's really not a solution in my opinion and what from what i've learned ever since i came out of the fog um which i will get into a little bit later probably but that's a phrase in which an adoptee has realized certain things in their lives were because of being an adoptee. But yeah, uh, my my biological mother was seen as someone who was aloof and who probably needed help, but they painted her as someone having some mental breakdown. Um, I'm not saying it was not true, and, and I'm not saying it's true. That's what it comes across to me because knowing that there's always a deeper reason in someone's story, in how people paint somebody to appear as, not everybody, but just some people. Um, The more I think about it, the more I wonder if she was coerced, my biological mother, coerced into giving up her children. But I do understand that, you know, after a while, if a mother, if someone in your family keeps, you know leaving her children behind in the care of other family without without being conscious of what they're doing, the biological parent, or knowing that they're what they're doing is wrong, but they have some issues that need to be dealt with that goes beyond, Just leaving the home for for quote unquote selfish reasons. I will. I feel I will never know the true reason my biological mother was written up that way in the social work report report because she's. I'm being told that she is deceased. I am being told that she died a few years ago. Probably, I think it was about five years ago, three to five years ago. She had passed away. As for my biological father, I'm not quite sure the truth in that, but I'm being told the same thing. Yeah, I don't have a timeline as to how long ago he passed away. So it could be that my biological father is still out there. So the social work report also mentions how My biological mother felt she could not take care of us any longer. You know, despite her attempts to, and her attempts to leave us with the family. So she felt that it was a better idea to hand us over to the Catholic orphanage in the Philippines. Uh, The Catholic orphanage that I was taken care of, and my sister as well, is Hospicio de San Jose over in the Philippines. But I do have, I have my mom, or I, I think my mother still has it. She was given a book of pictures of my sister and I being taken care of with the nuns. Um, us, you know, playing with the other kids, us just looking at the camera, one of me crying because I don't know, I was apparently described as always scared, always wanting a hug. And this was before I flew over to the United States. This was before five years old. I think we were, I was handed over to the Catholic orphanage around three years old. I was probably around three when I was handed over to the Catholic orphanage. And so there's that little book that describes who I was in great t- detail. And it's it's a very um, personal kind of little scrapbook that the nuns had created with pictures and a poem. And Something I should check to see if my mom. My mom, of course, she had she had many of the documents in, her, um, in a safe, in their closet at my my adoptive parents' house, or, you know, in Connecticut. Um, I she did show us at a at an age that we were able to understand a little better, um, of our adoption. I think I was around ten years old when, uh, they had. My parents had uh, um, told us about how we were adopted, but it wasn't soon. It was until it wasn't until later that we were shown the documents and the special book that the nuns had created. A lot of those moments before flying over, um, before the orphanage, I do not remember. Um, There is, it's a general fact that most adoptees do not remember certain parts of their lives, especially younger lives, because of the trauma factor. If you, this is the first time you've heard it, adoption is trauma. Just think, you might you might connect trauma to um, someone who's a military vet um, someone who has been in an accident a physical accident who has had an injury to their body in some way it's never thought in the in the mainstream how adoption can be trauma because it's always you know on the side of you know, having the adoptive parents be the savers of the adopted child. In some stories, in some adoptive stories, that is the case. Unfortunately, in some adoptive stories, that is not the case. So therefore, a trauma of the adopted child is erased from the mainstream view. But yes, adoption is trauma. I have I have PTSD from my adoption. While I was brought up in a loving home by our adoptive parents, I suffered a transition at the age of five, possibly even while I was with my biological mother you know, the events, which I don't remember, prior to the Catholic orphanage, and then the transition to the Catholic orphanage prior to flying over here in the United States. They say the first three years of a child's life is important. And I truly understand that. I being, I used to be a pre-K teacher, pre-kindergarten teacher, And I also at one point was going to major in early childhood education. And during those times of my education, I had learned that fact. And I had worked with children between the ages of one to five and understand that that is a true concept to to know about. The first three years, and even the first five years, is the most important time span in a child's life. Of course, that's not negating, you know, beyond five years old. Um, but in terms of learning who their caregivers are, givers are learning, you know, the first how to do things, um, how to feel, is important in their first few years of life. But I don't remember if there was any problem prior to the orphanage and then prior to, um, I don't remember the, the specifics of what may have happened to me in terms of why I have trauma aside from the trauma of moving over here to the United States at five years old. So like I said, trauma is also often seen as an injury um, often seen only in military members. and I'm not I'm not making it less important for military members. I am just saying, that it also can exist in adoptees because we we are meant to, like anybody, not aside from adoptees, we are as children, you're meant to be with the caregiver that you had developed inside inside their, the mother's body. You're meant to be with that mother, you're meant to be with the father, the biological father. That's a general knowledge. And and when that is taken away from you, just if you're not an adoptee, just imagine. And maybe you have, unfortunately, have experienced it, even if you're not an adoptee. But just imagine being separated from your parents at a young age where that's all you knew of at a young age all you had connection with biologically, um, the chemistry, the unspoken connection, the bonding that is created between your biological parents and yourself. Just imagine being cut, that being cut from your history, your bloodline, that is trauma because mentally and emotionally, can it can cause physical damage, even in the health of the child. They feel the pain in their minds, in their heart, and within their emotional intelligence. <clears throat> that's that's trauma. And that's what trauma is even for military vets, um, for non-adoptees. Those two populations who are not adoptees may have seen something that caused trauma in their minds, in their mental capacity. So that's the same thing for adoptees, for transracial adoptees, international adoptees. Domestic adoptees, late discovery adoptees. That's, we go through the same kind of trauma as well. And this is why it's so important that this, ha- this is brought to the main focus in our society as well. I am going to end this episode from here thank you so much for taking the time to learn about myself and what the podcast will entail I very much look forward to discussing more with you and having visitors on this podcast, adoptees, non adoptees, entrepreneurs, mothers, nine to fivers, and just everyday normal people who have a dream or have a story to tell. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this first episode, my introduction. I look forward to meeting with you again on here. I hope that you took away something from this episode. Whatever you took away from this first episode, my introduction, I hope that it has opened your eyes to different topics, specifically to the adoptee life, to the adoption trauma, and also just take away anything you may have wanted to know about me. I don't really, honestly, I don't like to talk too much about myself with people. I feel this is um, the best way to let the audience in um, so that you can get a bigger picture of who I am. Again, this, this podcast will be all about All different topics um, not just about my adoption but a lot of it has um, has been where I've been in my adoption as an adoptee as a transracial adoptee because as you know you don't know a person until you truly get to know them until you truly take the time to listen And that's what I love. I love getting to know people on a one-on-one conversation. Because I understand that everyone has a story. Everyone has a journey. Everyone has a reason as to why they do what they do in their lives. It's Whether it's good or whether it's bad. And And it's important to take the time to understand in that way. Understand somebody you may have a misconception about. So again, thank you so much. And um, look out for my next episode. And we will talk soon. Or you will hear me soon. (laughs) Enjoy your day, your evening, whatever you may be doing today. Enjoy the day. Wherever you are in this world, thank you for listening, and I will speak soon. Goodbye.